Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Gavin Lux out for the year? Yeah. Where, where have you yeah. been? Oh, I didn't know he was out for the year. Are you kidding me? We're really starting the pod where you stay something that was announced like 10 hours ago. Or an ACL guy. Oh, I didn't know it was that serious. I thought he sprained something. Yeah, Yeah, no, he's he's cooked for the year, unfortunately. Yeah, I do feel bad for him. But anyways, okay. It's a good organic start to the show. (laughs) It is organic. That's true. Because I saw you like hesitate. You're like, should we not start yet? Because you just saw the news. I was like, what? What just happened? Yeah, Gavin Lux is out for the year for the Dodgers after, like, his knee just went a completely opposite way than it should have yesterday as he was rounding second, going to third, right before he got to third base. Unfortunate for the Dodgers, but thankfully this is a Mets podcast and is episode 49, I believe, in Queens. Myself, 40, alongside Anthony Recker and Joe Sorallo. And spring training has begun, folks. We finally have some baseball games to, you know, not dissect too much, but at least discuss, you know, our raw thoughts on the first impressions here in spring for the 2023 Metropolitans. So that's exactly what we'll be doing here live or, of course, wherever you get your audio podcast. So make sure to smash that like and subscribe on rate review. All that great stuff really does mean a lot as we'll be covering the Mets all off season long. And especially once the regular season gets rolling, we'll be covering it after every single series, recapping and then previewing the upcoming one. A lot of content coming here for the Believe in Queen show. A lot again to, especially on the kids and Ronnie Mauricio and Brett Beatty. That's going to be a big headliner in this one. But before we get into it all, make sure to smash those buttons. And of course, have to let you all know that today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your sports betting needs. So make sure you head over to betonline.ag using uh, promo code BELIEVE at B L E A V. That way you get yourself a 50% off welcome bonus. Bet Online, it's where the games begin. Now, folks, let's, let's officially let the show begin. So, my question to both Rec and you, Joe, I'll start with you, Joe. When you think of number 49, the Mets, who's the first player that pops in your mind? Oh, that was his number, right? I had a shirt. John Neese. Yeah, I'm thinking there's one other, but there's Neese was the first guy to pop in my mind. What about you, Rec? Um, I don't think I have a good enough knowledge of Mets historical, you know, timeline to, to answer that. Fair. Um, I mean, of course, Neese, I caught him a bunch, but uh what number did um what oh my gosh name? i can't think of his name uh he was a closer tigers um valverde? he was with me in 14 what yeah valverde what number valverde did valverde valverde? i think he was like 50 something was he 49 i don't know he couldn't have been because niece was on that team yeah. i don't even know I don't, I don't know i don't have an answer for you no idea another one that um popped in my head too Benitez was 49, right? Armando Benitez was number 49 before you were born, Tyler. Yes. Okay. So I didn't know that one. That That's the only two that I could think of off the top Ooh, of my head. That was uh, Humber. That was six finger Armando Benitez, right? Didn't he have six fingers? Wait, what? Did, I, I wouldn't know that. I, I didn't know that. I mean, Benitez was like I'm just one of trying the to remember if it was him or if it was another guy with the Mets at one point. I think it Benitez was, was one of the best closers in baseball. I don't. Yeah, look it up. I think he had six fingers. I will look that up. Grant in uh, live chat says Josh Smoker. That's a name. I Smoker was 49. Yep. yep. Um, Philip Humber. Tyler, do you know the Philip Humber significance? No. Might be a little before your time. He was part of the uh, the deal for Johan Santana. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Him, Carlos Gomez. Nice. He, he was part of that package. Okay. Tyler Bachelor, I remember that name as well. 
That was another Mets reliever for a hot minute. Todd Hundley. Didn't he have the Mets uh, home run record? Wasn't he tied with Beltron 41 before Alonzo shattered it? I believe he was. Yeah. 49. Not not too many in Mets history. Benitez no. probably the most notable. Benitez and John Neese. Yeah, I, fig- I figured that this would be a fun part of the pod going forward. I don't know why we haven't really done it sooner. Like last week, I, of course, was joking about episode 48 not being regarding Jacob deGrom. But something that I do on my other podcast um, all the time is on the number, we just think about right off the riff, the first player that comes to mind, you know, Jersey history, history wise for that team. So next week will be, you know, episode 50. So we'll talk about that one then. Um, but guys, all right, so let's get into it. I don't know again, exactly how much everyone, not only you guys, but everyone watching the show has been following along spring so far, but there's some big takeaways. And the first one that has been full fledged that we expected is the usage of the pitch clock and how batters only have around, I think it's seven to eight seconds, you know, per pitch that they see that they can lock eyes with the pitcher. I mean, we saw a Braves game, one of the first spring games of the year end just tied when they had bases loaded full count because the guy didn't lock eyes with the pitcher in time. Then we saw it today, actually earlier on in the Mets loss to the Astros. One of the Astros batters had that same issue happen. And it was a called strike three for him based on the automatic uh, automatic strike zone. So I guess my question for you, and I'll start with you wreck is, do you think that this is going to be something that will be an increasing problem throughout the year? Or do you think the players are going to be able to just fairly quick, not only from the batter's point of view, but also the pitchers. You know, you think of guys that take their dearest sweet time, like Karen Achak for um, Cleveland, for example. I mean, he wasn't able, even able to ask for a ball, and the clock was still going. And then he was charged with a ball because of that. So let me just hear your raw thoughts on that overall and how it's looked thus far in sprint. They are supposed to be, uh, be able to ask for a new ball, and the clock is supposed to start uh, okay. over again. Now, if they sense an abuse of that rule, then they can – just kind of null and void the whole clock restarting. So it's like the quarterback, you know, sitting back there, fresh 20, fresh 20, and they don't get it. Um, basically, I I don't think this is going to continue on to, into the regular season, at least not much. I think by the time we get there, um, most of these kinks will be out of the way. Um, you know, I my fear is that it rears its ugly head at the wrong time. Um, but that said, look, it is what it is. This is what they're going with. There's no stopping it. Uh, it's You know, I was on a rules um meeting uh with MLB network the other day um i mean everybody was on there you know from bob costas to um you know eduardo perez and um steve phillips and i mean it was it was crazy like it was kind of funny like being on that call and then hearing bob costas's voice and being like whoa i'm on on a zoom call with bob costas like i could just go hey bob what's going on (laughs) it's crazy um but yeah no uh i think as far as, you know, they relayed to us, it was literally, this is what it is. We're not stopping it. Um, we're going to enforce it. And there's not going to be any, like, tinkering along the way. You know, there's not going to be, um, you know, we're not planning on changing things around midseason if something isn't working right. This, These are the rules. We're sticking to them, and that's it. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't see it changing, and I certainly don't see it continuing to be a problem because the, the players are just going to have to, get used to it and do it because it, it, it affects the game. I mean, it, it literally affects the, my problem with the way it's structured right now. Um, you know, and I heard, uh, I was on LB tonight the other night and Bo Porter was comparing it to, he compared it in our, in our meeting call to the shot clock in basketball. He compared it on the show to the play clock in football. The problem with that is those 
sports inherently have a clock associated with the end of the game. And so having a clock make sure you stay on pace, it ensures competitive integrity. But in baseball, having the pitch clock, it does nothing with competitive competitive integrity. It's all about just the aesthetics of the game. And therefore, you know, penalties associated with it against the game that, 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 you know, interfere with the game, a ball, a strike, a balk, whatever. Um, that's tough. Like that's, it's different. That's a completely different, that, that, that is, that does not exist in other sports. And so to me, um, because baseball is not a clock sport. I mean, even though there is a clock in it now, it's still not a clock sport. Like you could play forever. And because of that, it's, there's still something to it. You know, like I, I like it. I like the pace of play. I like that it's faster. I like that the games are ending sooner when I'm doing pre post at some point again, I'm going to love that the games are ending earlier. Like that's right. fine. Yeah. But I just, I, I do worry um, that something's going to happen throughout the course of this season and others where it's going to be like, Whoa. Okay. Um, we, that was unnecessary because you don't want a game to end under the circumstances like we saw in uh, with Boston and Atlanta. Do I we have know same for the postseason? Uh, do we know if this rule is still intact in for the postseason yes. or if this is a regular? Yes. It, it is. Yeah. So it's it, not going to stop. That's where I would be a little worried is if we get to October and we get to the playoffs and it's the ninth inning and a count starts off 0-1 or you know a, a three and one count becomes three and two suddenly because someone's not ready or, or vice versa. You know if a two one count goes to three one, like, oh, I, I don't like it for the playoffs. I love it for the regular season. I, I will. Well, be the thing is, you you assume that if these guys are going to do it all season long, that come playoff time, things will just move faster anyway. Right. So there's not a need for it. Um, that said, I guess I understand the idea is, look, if we're doing this, we're all in and we can't segregate. We can't say that the playoffs are that much more important exactly. than the regular season by saying we can't do it in the playoffs, even though that's what they do with the Ghost Runner. Um it, right, exactly. I know. Great point. I know. It's it's. it's I, I didn't even think that, of that one. That, that's a that's a fantastic point. I mean, it's oh. interesting that that's the line they've taken, and I get it. I do, but it's like you've already said that the playoffs are more significant in the fact that you aren't allowing the ghost runner out there. This isn't that much different. The fact that you're penalizing someone for you know maybe not getting in the box in time, um, at least competitively, it's just weird. So, yeah, I mean, it's – I'm glad that I'm not a part of it anymore. Uh, I'm glad I don't – I mean, look, if I had to, I'd, I'd make the adjustments. I'd be fine. But you know there's going to be that – like there was that one time for me in AAA where I got strike three, boom, you're out. And I'm like, what the – like I'm literally trying to get set in the box. My foot wasn't getting in. Like, right. But there's, you know, there's nothing you can do. And what's funny is the clip today – I didn't – I wasn't watching the game live. I had other stuff going on. But – um I saw, you know, a clip of the uh, the Astros batter was a Diaz got called yes. strike three, and you know they were on Lindor at the time. He was mic'd up. He was talking, mm -hmm. and then you know it happened kind of in the middle of that. And then they went back and they showed like a replay. And I don't know if this was accurate, but it was at like ten seconds, and the batter was staring at the pitcher. So I don't know like when the violation occurred, but it didn't look like a violation according to that. Yeah, it didn't. I don't know. It was a surprise. Yeah. So, I yeah, it was very weird in that instance because uh, I agree. When I was watching, I was like, what is going on here? And that's something. Although, where... Wait, was there a runner on base there when it happened? 
Because if there was a runner on base, he's supposed to look up at like 12 or 13, right? Uh, right, because then the clock goes from 15 to 20 if there's a guy yeah, on Yeah, and I think he's supposed yeah. to look up five seconds earlier. I didn't even think of that until now. Maybe that's why. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't remember if there was a runner on or not. Because like I said, I wasn't watching live. I just saw the clip, so. Yeah. And, and and again, in my opinion, at least, I do like it for the viewing pleasure, especially at home. I think for me, the biggest debate, and this is just about the pitch clock as a whole, because throughout spring spring games on average, they have been right around a half hour faster than the normal baseball game in all the years prior, which again, as a baseball connoisseur like myself, I don't mind games being long. However, watching at home and again, doing what I do, doing post games after almost every game, I do enjoy that, especially when it's going to be later night games. That's where it's going to come in clutch for sure. For me, at least, and I, and I wonder if you guys would feel the same or different is the actual at the ballpark experience is what I think I'm not going to like about it. You know, at least for me, I'm in a unique situation. I don't live by city field. So I have to take a little bit of a hike just to get there. And now you're telling me that on average games are going to be a half hour faster when, you know, yes, I'm going to be watching the entire game, but you also want the experience. I'm going to go and probably spend at least an inning somewhere, getting food, getting drinks or whatever, talking with some people. And then before you know it, the game's going to automatically be going faster than how I initially would like it to just, again, enjoy the ballpark. I'm going there for more than just watching the game at the end of the day because City Field, it is a nice atmosphere. There's things to do there. So, I, Joe, question you. How do you feel about that exactly, too, from the viewing experience at home to what it will be like more than likely at the ballpark itself? I actually like it, and, and I kind of think that you should like it even more than than I should back when okay. I was living on Long Island. I mean, I could get home from a Met game once I hit the highway. I'd be home in, like, less than 30 minutes. I would think for someone like you wardy or even like you wreck you know going out of state like i would think it would be better to get out of there at 9 30 9 45 instead of you know 10 30 when the game starts at seven i would think you guys sure. would actually like that more it's my thing is game, yeah. the reason it doesn't bother me if you're getting there at seven or maybe if you're running late you're getting there 7 30 i would understand why it would bother you but i always got to the ballpark you know 7 10 game gates open at 5 10 i'm there at 5 10. So it's already a pretty long day. I actually kind of like it. It wouldn't bother me at all. I always do the food and stuff, see people before the game starts. And then once first pitch happens, I'm in my seat and I'm probably there the rest of the game. Um, So I kind of like it. I I like the pace of play being sped up uh, for TV purposes. I think we all agree it's perfect. Um, And, you know, when Rex doing the post game, it's going to really come in handy. Huge. Huge. No, I agree with games. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want to be there again till one, two in the morning. I'm good. Um, no, I like literally I like I agree with both. I understand both of your points. Like I understand being at the ballpark and wanting it to kind of be a longer experience. But I also understand like as a, a dad with kids, like we get there and it's like I, I, you know, I may have a certain amount of time that I can have them locked in or focused or awake or, you know, whatever it may be. And so the fact that the game moves a little bit faster might might help the the other thing and i saw an article on this i thought this was pretty funny um how is this going to affect beer sales like ooh, they stopped beer sales in the seventh and now like we're talking about that being pretty much 20 minutes earlier like that's 20 minutes of beer sales of 15 dollar beers like 20 dollar beers whatever they are i don't even that's know that's gonna be quite the hit when expensive. you really think about it it's funny like that's a lot of money yeah gonna get um, more people then buying i think about time. yeah Oh, you better you better get up there at seven in seventh <laughs> inning and buy like eight of them. Yeah. Um, it's no, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, because then you talk about some advertising. Um, you know, I always thought there was an ability for baseball to do more bottom line advertising throughout the course of the action. Like, 
in between pitches or, you know, like boom, pop things up and just new ways to make money and bring in revenue through advertising, you know, like uh, regional networks, yada, yada, yada. We see some of these ones, you know, some of these places going out of business now anyway, Bally's apparently broke and AT&T is broke and like they can't pay to <laughs> keep their contracts. So um, it's interesting. Uh, I just, I think there's going to be ramifications that last and that we're not even thinking of that, that major league baseball isn't thinking of. And we're just going to find out, you know, throughout the course of the season, how everything kind of, um, you know, molds together. Yeah. I like you know what I want to see. Sorry, Tyler, just from a, a gambling perspective, because, you know, you see obviously the sports books, they all advertise with all the professional leagues and teams. I wonder if there's going to be like an over under, especially when the season starts in April of uh, pitch clock violations, like over under two and a half pitch clock violations in this. Yeah. Game. Or just about the base of game. Fun. Just about betting, like, is the game going to be over under two and a half hours? Like, that is 100% going to become a thing, I think. Oh, I don't know. I feel like that's a tough one. I feel like you, betting on the time so. of the game is a tough one, but the number of pitch clock violations, that might be an interesting little prop. Okay. It'd yeah. be interesting, like, if you if you had, like, some of those Mark Burley-type pitchers, you know, the guys that just got on the mat. And you're going to – I mean, there's going to be guys that take this rule to an extreme. Yep. yep. Um, it's going to be interesting. Like, you're going to have some under two-hour games again. Like, it's going to happen, and we're going to be – what the heck? It's yeah. going to Mac, be – Max Scherzer, I think, is – I mean, he's already come out and said how much he loves it. And it's funny because Quintana today was saying how much he, he didn't like it. Yeah, that uh, – you're beating me. You're beating me to the point, Joe. I was gonna say. Speaking of you know pitchers, let's talk for a second about Quintana because you know if you looked on social media today, you would think that Jose Quintana, you know, was is the worst pitcher on the planet Earth, as we would expect, because he gave up five hundred runs and zero point two innings for his first outing of spring, and that kind of you know led me to this discussion here because his response, as Joe, you were about to allude to, was that yes, he's not really comfortable with it yet. Something that he he needs to still get acclimated and adjusted. And he's in a unique situation where I don't know exactly how I feel about it from a fan perspective. You know, he's going to the World Baseball Classic, so he might have one more start before he goes to the WBC representing Columbia. The issue, though, is that this is a guy that's trying to get acclimated to the new rules with the pitch clock to then going to WBC for at minimum a couple weeks where that's not the case. The pitch clock is gone again. So it's back to normal rules for the WBC setting. So there were, again, a lot of fans that weren't happy with his performance today. And again, I don't blame him. He, he didn't look good. He, he gave up a lot of barrels. Uh, he gave up a bomb. He gave up some doubles for sure. But again, it's the first outing of spring. So my question to you guys, though, is to see him like this. Let's talk for a second just about hypotheticals, okay? Because he came off of a great year, his first all-star year in at least a decade in the bigs, right? And his numbers were phenomenal. He was the best starter in all baseball last year in the home runs per nine. He just, his home run rate was ridiculous, was not giving up bombs at all. So let's say that entering the season, at least one of him, especially him, we'll stay on the topic of him, really doesn't start out too well. How long of a leash do you think someone like Quintana should have in this rotation? Should David Peterson perform extraordinarily all throughout spring like he did in his first outing scoreless two innings 25 pitches a handful of strikeouts again i feel like i know the answer to this but I, he's I not going anywhere him. tyler it's one spring outing come no, on no i'm saying hypothetical i'm saying to try to play devil's advocate a little bit for the fans out there that think that the sky's already falling with is it that I, slow of a news week Yes, it is. It's a, it's the first week of spring. What I don't know. Rec, Rec, what what do you think? I don't think there's a shot in hell that Quintana is not in the rotation all year. Yeah, well, the what this comes down to is the only chance that 
you know, they would t- they would literally replace Quintana with Peterson in the rotation as if it was getting very late in the year and it was a problem and they were, you know, maybe struggling. Maybe if they were struggling to win, maybe if they like really hit a big skid, they were under 500, they were, you know, looking up at the division, like then you could see some changes like that being made. But other like aside from that happening, which none of us, I think, foresee that, you know, taking place. That would be the only way. Um, I will say this, and this is not like uh, Tyler. I know you're not saying that Quintana is going to have a bad season. Um, and if you look at his overall, you know, numbers throughout the course of his career, three seven five ERA um, regular season. Oh, it's over a five in spring training for his career. Um, if you look at some of his best years in the big leagues, uh, I think it's like 14, 15, 16. Yeah. Right and then again, that, this year, and I think 21, those were actually his worst springs. Or last year, I'm sorry. Um, those were actually his worst spring trainings. His best spring trainings were his worst years in the big leagues. It's really funny. Like, if I, I was just I was just having fun with it earlier today. Like, because I know it means nothing. Um, and so, look, I know when these guys go out their first time, it's literally, okay, I'm going to try to throw my fastball for a strike. Whack. All right. Well, I'm going to try to throw a breaking ball for a strike here. Whack. Like dead center, like off the off the batter's like we, like we saw today. It, it happened. Like as a as a as a catcher, I'm I'm getting into the mode of pitch calling and I'm I'm trying to understand what he wants to do, but I'm not even calling the game like it's a regular season game. Like this is literally there are gonna be times throughout this game where I go, hey, first batter, we're gonna go out there, we're gonna go change up, change up, heater in, backdoor cutter, just to work on the on the sequence. Like right. we're just gonna work on it. And so it's not, you can't take this at all, like even a little bit seriously. And I'm not even talking about now, like as the, as spring training progresses, like, yeah, as you get a little bit closer, maybe we could talk about it, but it's just funny how, um, you know, these spring training games can be overreacted to by many. And it really is like, it's comical because it, it means less than nothing. Like the fact that he got rocked means nothing. Yes. If he goes out there and, the first day of the regular season gets rocked that it still, still doesn't really mean that much, but that could, at least you could go, okay, well now it counts and it's not happening. Like, let's go. But still like, I mean, there's a reason that players say it all the time. Like it's control. You can control, um, you know, you got to just wash the bad days, move on to the next day. Baseball is a mental game. Like yada, yada, yada. Like I just go, it's about the process. going to keep doing what I'm doing. It's going to be successful. Like all those phrases, they're actually rooted in something and it's because they're, it's the truth. Like that's, that's how you have to think about this game in order to be successful. If you think about it any other way, you're going to be screwed. So it's just, again, part of the process here. Well, yeah. One thing I want to say here quick, Joe, and then I'll let you take is my only takeaway from that wreck is that you're saying that Quintana is going to have his best season of his career yet. <laughs> what the spring training. If, yeah, I if hope he, he continues with this. Spring, <laughs> if he could, he had, I think, I think last year he had, yeah, I hope he has a hundred year this spring. I think Go he ahead. had an 11 in spring training last year. If I saw, if I, if I'm remembering what I saw correctly okay. from, I believe you, it was only like three starts or something crazy, but and last year was by far. Yeah. Well, the, and I'll, I will say this about Quintana. I think the expectations on him are a little bit higher than they should be because last year was his career year. He's not going to have a sub three again. Like it, right. it's not going to happen. I think he's going to have a three and a half at minimum. It, it's Give me like, a three, yeah. he has a three, seven, five for his career. Like, I would say expect that. And if it's better than that, great. Like and a three seven five, if if you're really worried about a guy having a three seven five, like 
your expectations are too high. Like yeah. for what Quintana, what his role is with this team, like mm-hmm. that's too much. Is he's supposed to be the fifth starter? If your fifth starter has a three seven five, you have the best staff in big leagues. Period. End of story. So that's that's where I would that's what I would say about Quintana. Like, don't worry about it. He'll be fine. Yeah, I I mean 100%. Look, if he's got a six ERA in June, talk to me about Peterson. Because I thought Peterson had a great year last year. Longevity was a bit of an issue. You know, didn't go that deep into games uh, a whole lot. But his strike, his K rates were up. I mean, Tyler, how many yeah. times are we betting on Peterson? Like, oh, over four and a half. Yeah, I remember those yes, texts there yesterday. Seven yep. in the fourth inning. Uh, K rate was up. Um, you know, also, though, would kind of hit a wall in like the late fifth, early sixth inning. Give, give, um give up some crucial long balls. I remember a game against Atlanta where he was zooming, fifth inning rolls around, Olsen the just screwed him. Center. I, I, will never, um, I will never forgive the ump for that game. That's still yeah. Or Even the game I was at, Mets-Dodgers, where they actually won the game. Peterson, yeah. Uh, yeah. Buck yeah. pulled him in the middle of the at-bat <laughs> against Mookie because oh, Mookie yeah. like, hit that. a foul ball where he just mm-hmm. dicked it, pulled yeah. it down to left field. It was just a little early. And then Buck pulled him mid-AB. I forgot who he put in, but it ended up working out. Um, so, yeah, Peterson, like – you know, that that's my big concern with him. Like stuff's great. I, I think, you know, what we've seen is a steady progression where he's gotten better every year, which is so important when you're a young pitcher. Um, it's just a matter of he's getting better. Now can he start to go deeper? Uh, but Rick, I, I thought you brought up a great thing and you like took the word out of my mouth when you talked about working on sequences in spring training. Like for me, I, my big thing, my whole life, up until probably I was 2021 20, even, I was never like, refused would never throw anything but a first pitch fastball ever i was always first pitch fastball let me get ahead because i know i could throw my fastball wherever i want to and then i'll work in my slider which was always my out pitch or i'll work in whatever you know other stuff i've got going on spring training exhibition games this is always the time to be like hey i want to see if i can throw a first pitch slider because we're playing you know these guys early in the year they know my tendencies they know i throw first pitch fastballs all the time let me see if I can get my slider over for a first pitch strike. Because I never want to fall behind 1-0. It's always the most important thing is strike one. Let me see if I can do it with my slider. Let me see if I can do it with a with a splitter. Or maybe I'm working on a cutter or a sinker. Like, that's what spring training is for. Yep. It, it, it's for yep. all those trials and tribulations. So uh, Spring training 2014, I believe it was. Um, Fernandez with Miami. God mm-hmm. rest his soul. Um, throws me a, a changeup. Right on right changeup. He, he never did that before, you know, the year before. <laughs> right. Threw me right on right changeup. And I, like, I swung over top of it. And I was, I looked back. I was like, changeup? And I looked out and he's just smiling at me. Like, he knows. Like, he's like, yeah, yeah man, I'm just messing around. Sorry <laughs> about it. Like, take that. And I'm like, what was that? Like, get out of here. Like, I'm trying to make the but damn team, Jose. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, guy. Like, you're, you're, you're already, you know. But yeah, it was literally like, yeah, you just made me look stupid. Um, but the, that's what pitchers do. Like they're out there, you know, working on stuff. They're literally working. On, and, and it's at sometimes it's, it's funny to them. Cause it's like, yeah, I've never thrown this before. I'm going to try it. What the heck? Cause that yeah. is the time to do it. So yeah, like stuff happens in spring training. I don't even, especially first outing. I don't care at all. This guy's literally just trying to feel like he can throw competitive pitches again for this start next start a little more serious by the third start. Now he's trying to like get guys out. And then, you know, by the fifth or sixth start, it's like, yeah, we're ready for this regular season. But Right. And also when it comes to Quintana, it's like his roster spot's safe. So he can afford oh, yeah. to toy yeah. around a little more. The guy, like, you know, as spring training progresses, because I'll admit right now, I'm not watching. Even with the Mets on ESPN, I put him on today for five minutes and then was like, all right, gambling show. Because uh, 
it's that time of year in college hoops. Well, who wants to watch the ESPN? Oh, I don't watch it. I've had, I I've say had watch, to endure listen, it completely like, the past oh, two days. Yeah. It has been exactly what you'd expect. Yeah, it's exactly. It's rough. What it's rough. So bad. But, but I was like, all right, it's, it's accessible. Let me put it on. It, it lasted not even not even five minutes. It was like a college freshman. It did not last five minutes. Uh, but, you know, when I when we get later into March, what I want to see is the guys who are actually fighting for roster spots. That's the only part of spring training ball that I, that I care about. You know, I well, want to see the relievers trying to be the sixth, seventh guy. I want to see how McGill yeah. looks coming off an injury yeah. that consumed most of last year. You know, those Ronnie are the Brett Beatty, yeah. Mark Vientos. Like, should, should we get into Ronnie Mauricio? Yes. Can That's we, why can we I said it. Let's I love it. Exactly. <laughs> dude. Ronnie, again, Rec, shout out you. You said that that's the guy that you're like most excited to watch that spring, see how he's doing. And you know, his first one of two nukes is 450 feet, 110 exit velo, an absolute bomb. He stated after that game, this was just a couple days ago, he stated after that game that he hit one 500 feet in the minors last year, which he did. And it's actually absurd. Ronnie Marie, so you could see he's juice. He's like around, I think he weighs, if I'm not mistaken, he's around like 220 now. This guy, when the Mets originally signed him, was around like 160 or so. He's just absolutely massive. People were saying, this is Jordan Alvarez out here. Now I'm not going to go that far. But, you know, there's a lot to like about this kid. And for good reason, not coming off of, of course, uh, the MVP, the Dominican Winter League. He also looked very good with the glove today in the little spurts that he had in the second half of the game when he was subbed in there at shortstop for Lindor. And then you have not only him, but Brett Beatty. I mean, Brett Beatty, his first five at-bats between the um, the intra-squad game and then spring, he got on base in his first five. He was five for five in all different reasons. He has at least one bomb already. He drove in another run today, a couple RBIs. He's batting like 571 or something to start spring. Not that it means anything, but it's just nice that the guys are – that are grinding, that are getting their career started, that are either trying to crack the roster or even the guys, and we'll get into them after the prospect discussion, and the Almontes, the Stewarts, and the LeCasters of the world. I know you might not love some of those names. The point like I'm trying Lecastro. to make, Leca- Timmy LeCaster is nice. I oh, like Monte, it. that's the only one I, when yeah. someone lies to your face, you're you're kind of over it. Like you know, That's fine. Good with that guy. No, that's fine. I'm Give just me saying. Castro. Give me a guy who can swipe a bag when you need it. Look, Castro, all the, absolutely. All the guys that are like those fourth outfielder types that will be in AAA, they're all off to a hot start as well this spring. But let's start with Ronnie Mauricio. Rec, again, I'll, I'll let you take it away. What are your raw thoughts about him? And do you think, again, I've been asked this a lot. You know, Mauricio, he's playing his way into, you know, trying to crack this roster. Is he trying to crack this roster? Yes. Is he going to? No I, no, I just don't foresee a world where that happens. Flat but, out, no. No. Flat out, no. But, but um, I want to ask you, how do you feel about him? Because it looks like he's continuing to do what he did back in the Dominican Winter League, which is always a great sign. Yeah, I mean, look, hitting this early in spring, it's weird, This the cycle of spring training, the way it works. Hitters come in, and for whatever reason, I feel like we're always locked in early. Like, in those inner squad games that we play and then we get out here first couple spring training games like hitters have the advantage because like i said earlier pitchers are getting their feet wet they're just throwing stuff like they're they're not really locked in yet like they're competitive don't get me wrong like no pitchers going out there trying to give up bombs but they're also not like attacking you in a way of oh i know this is his weakness i'm gonna go straight to it like that's just not why do that? Like, why show your hand right now? That's just silly. I'm going to work on me. I'm going to make sure I'm right. And then when it comes time to get you out for money, I'm going to get you out. And that's that's the way, like, it works. So 
I don't put like really any stock in offensively and what's going on right now. I love it. I'd love to see it. It's it's good to see these guys put in work in the offseason. You could tell they're locked in. That's awesome. To me, with Mauricio, I just want to see him defensively. I want to see him continue to go out there, play, put in the defensive time, and I want to see how consistent he can be out there because that's the question mark, right? Like nobody is really questioning whether or not this guy is going to be able to like stand off, you know, offensively in in the Major League Baseball. No one's really worried about that. Um, you know, could it be an issue down the road? But yeah, maybe. Who knows? But that's not what people people are worried about. Okay, this guy, this kid needs to get defensively efficient, and that's what all I want to see. So to me, get the innings, like keep having success. I hope you do offensively. It's great. Um, it's never a bad thing as, as whether it means something or not, like the fact that it doesn't mean anything, it, that doesn't mean anything because this is good for him. It's giving him confidence. Like when I had success in spring training early in my career, it was like, yeah, this feels great. I can do this. So yeah, that's, it's always a good thing. Um, I'm, I'm glad to see it again. I just want to see him go out there and perform defensively. Beatty, love seeing it. Um, Vientos even, like he's he's had some success already. Like, I mean, he has guys, a couple right. of times now. Yeah. So I, I love I love seeing um, these guys doing well. I just want to see them all defensively continue to make strides and continue to get better. Rick, if you had to pick, and I know it's early and they both, you know, probably are going to go down to AAA to start the year. Mauricio, Beatty, who would you who would you invest more? Who would you prioritize for the future of the Mets? I've kind of been Team Mauricio since last year, and it's not a knock on Beatty. He's hitting well, too. But what I'm seeing from Ronnie, I, I mean, it's early. Spring training doesn't matter. Uh, but more so what I saw in the Dominican Winter League from Ronnie. Like, yeah. I really believe he's a piece to hold on to. My question is, where? Is it third? Is it second? Yeah. Is it left? But I, I think I think Ronnie's a piece to hold on to. Yeah, when when I think about these two, it's it's – Okay, when you know, we're talking about something like this, it's like, okay, where's their floor? Where's their ceiling? I think Beatty's floor is higher. Like, you're, I think you're going to get sure. consistent at bats. He's got a very mature um, approach at the plate. He's he's looking for his pitch. He knows what he likes to do. He knows how to work counts. Um, you know, th- those kinds of things. Mauricio's very aggressive. Like, right? Like, you're not gonna you're not gonna throw a lot of pitches, you know, near the zone that he's not going to attack. And because of that. He's going to struggle with some inconsistencies at times. There's going to be ups and downs. That brings his floor down. Like so, realistically, Jose Reyes these major like league that. pitchers. What's that? Jose Reyes was like that when he was young. I mean, he swung at hundred percent, but he 100%. also was a game changer. Game changer, and that's where the the ceiling. Mauricio's got the higher ceiling. Like mm-hmm. the power that you see, the athleticism that you know he has, the strength that he's built, um, the fact that he is aggressive, but. If you can take that aggressive nature and just not bring it back, but hone it, hone that aggressiveness into what you do well, Ronnie, like what you what you hit well, what you hit for power, do it at the right time in at bats, you know, those kinds of things. It's not about taking it away at all. It, I remember talking to Curtis Granderson um, one year, 2014. He was uh, was it 14 or 15? He was having like his his numbers weren't like off the charts or anything. But I think it was 15 because it was second year with the team. It, But every at-bat he had was good. Like every at-bat you just saw he never went out of his zone. He never did anything like to fall behind in the count. And, and when he made contact, it was hard contact. Like he swung and missed a lot. But that's just part of his game. But he made like, – I mean – and I asked him, I said, what, what are you doing, Kurt? Like what's, like what's going on? And he's like, honestly, I'm more aggressive than I ever have been in my career. 
but I'm just more aggressive to my pitch this year. I've just, I've, I've really like kind of locked in on that and I know where I want to, you know, I know where I want the ball and I'm, I'm a hundred percent. I'm swing, 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 no swing, 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 no swing, swing. Yes. Like, and that's that, that mentality, it's really hard to teach, but Ronnie has the ability to do that. If he can take his aggressive mindset and then hone it in, I think his ceiling's higher. So to me, it's, you know, you don't really want to invest in either of these guys yet. Right. But I understand the question. And to me, it's like, I, I appreciate that ceiling, that potential. That's what like gets me excited because those are the guys who are game changers. Not to say that Beatty can't be, but I just think Ronnie has the ability to be that guy. And to me, that's the guy that I would, I would invest in. Right. And when I say invest, I don't mean like, Hey, sign him to a 12 year deal tomorrow. Yeah, I know what, what I mean is yeah. trade deadline rolls around. If you need a significant piece, you know, I'll always go yep. back to the guy we always talk about. If Otani is on the table and it's going to be a big package, you can only hold on to one of those guys most likely. Yep. Who do you – for me, it's I try to hold on to Mauricio yep. in the same way that I also have an – I would not trade Alex Ramirez. Role. Because Mauricio's, Mauricio yeah, Mauricio's, too. Mauricio's also more um, interchangeable. You can move him to the outfield potentially. You can move him to third base. You could keep him at shortstop. Looking at four positions. Yeah. Where's like, where's Beatty going to play? He's going to play third DH left field. Like there's not a right. lot that, you know, and I don't like any... Beatty's glove. I just don't like his glove at all. Didn't he? Didn't I don't, he make I don't know enough day? about it yet. I don't know enough about it yet. I mean, I, I, I think he's going to be fine, but at the, like, I, I just think that Ronnie gives you that total package, like where mm -hmm. he could be, like you said, like a game shit. He really can play so many positions. He could do so much for you offensively. He could be a juggernaut. He can run the bases. Like he can do a lot potentially. And yeah. to me, that just means so much more. He's a five tool guy. And, and by the way, to the, to the people in the comments pointing out his OBP, you know, like I said before, Jose Reyes, he, he was a, a no OBP guy when he came up, still had that game changing potential. And, and that's what we're at, talking about maturity. Like he'll, right. you want him just to mature into that. Like can, can don't Mauricio take away the aggressiveness, yet? just hone it in. I, I mean, how old is Mauricio? Can he even drink yet? What is he? 20, 21, maybe uh, he's, he's young around there. Yeah. So, uh, and, and, and by the way, Francisco Lindor looking at Mauricio, that 300 OBP career average in the minors is 260. So it's a 40 point difference. Not great. Francisco Lindor, his rookie year. Now he had a higher batting average. He hit 313, but his OBP was 40 points higher than his average last year it was 90 points higher yep. i mean this is stuff with maturity that and, and his lindor's career obp 70 points higher i mean this is stuff that can be improved upon can be taught with maturity mauricio that that game-changing ability it just as a uh, as grant's point out pointing out in the comments 21 years old that can't be taught you either you're that guy or you're not and mauricio i think he's that guy see the it was really interesting to hear your comments, both of you guys favoring Mauricio essentially, because I'm the complete opposite. So I, I like to have this combo because for me, the past really the past couple of years, Mauricio, I've always been like, if you're going to trade a top prospect, I'd rather he be in that mix, at least up until what we've seen more of recent of him, because he was coveted highly from the beginning. And then he really started to teeter off a little bit like he hasn't taken those strides in the minor leagues to the same length as some others that are in the the core group of the Mets top prospects hitters wise, I would have liked to see over the past two years. Again, the winter league's great. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I look at Mauricio with the low OBP, for example, I don't think that's a big thing to be concerned by because he has all the time in the world to figure that out. I think what very well could happen and maybe a likely thing for him though, is that he finds himself in a mod Rosario situation where he just, always is kind of an OB, low OBP guy, but can be high contact as well. 
can barely Pretty good last year. I don't know. Rosario had a great year with Cleveland. Yeah, but and, well, and not to mention that this guy, this guy has the potential to hit 30. Like, yeah. Oh, you don't power, have power like power that. Power change him. The power is what's changing him. This was yeah. this was initially when the Mets signed him as an international prospect. They viewed him as a high power guy initially. Now you wouldn't think that when you saw his stature because he was only like a buck sixty. But also there were some internal things going on with him over the past year that have been not necessarily rectified, but better with some home life. So there were factors that were going on outside of baseball that were taking impact on his daily routine, his regiment, his diet, things of he's that also, nature. He's also twenty and in double A last year. Yeah. Like, dude, that's insane. Like, double A was that jump. Like, that's, I mean, you know, this was years ago when I when I first got to double A, but that was the jump. Like, other than obviously the big leagues, double A is a, is an animal. Like, it's just different. I mean, I also played in the Texas League and in Midland, Texas, which is an awful place to hit. But <laughs> like, that was a awful place to live too. Sorry if anyone's from Midland, Texas. <laughs> that place, like that league, it was. It was unlike anything I had, I had seen up to that point. It was like, okay, now everyone's good. Like you, you're not going to get that, you know, slap guy out there just tossing stuff in. Like, oh yeah, I'll just sit on a heater. He can't throw a breaking ball for a strike. No, these guys can throw a breaking ball for strikes. They got nasty stuff. Like they can come at you. They're not afraid to come in. All that. Ronnie did it. Like he had a really good year in Double A last year at 20. I'm sorry, but to me that means this this kid. Oh, I, I don't I don't care yeah. that like a couple years ago he wasn't doing it. He was 18. Like he 20 he did it. 21 he looks even better. Like this kid is going to be good. I'm yeah, not, I know he's cared more about double A than than triple A when you look at stats because triple A it's a weird place. You know, it's like you get in between guys, guys who are just career minor leaguers who might be, you know, 32 years old and just can't cut it in the bigs. The guys getting sent down. Like triple A is a weird spot. Double A everyone's serious because pretty much not to sound ageist or whatever you know anyone could slant this as but like everyone's pretty much young and double a everyone's on the up triple a you get people that are on the down on the decline and double so a is when a is, i realized double a i got it through the, that's when i realized oh like i could actually be a big leaguer like right wow like this right. is cool like that's like to your point about being serious then to your other point about triple a to me, if you took double A AA and triple A and, and combined the two adjustments you have to make, that is the big leagues. Double A is the physical adjustment. It's like these guys are all really, really good. Triple A is the mental adjustment. That's when it's like some of these guys are hanging on. They're not as good anymore, but they know how to get me to get myself out. Like, so it's it's a different game. And so spending too much time in AAA, like I did, I think is not a good thing for guys. But if you if you get that little bit of double A and then that little bit of triple A, it's 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 two different experiences. Now it's become different in the last few years. Like there's so many prospects that are throwing a hundred billion miles an hour now. I remember being playing against the Pirates triple A back in like 2016, and they had Every single guy that came out of there was 96, 97 to 101. Actually, they had, uh, I can't think of his name, long last name, was throwing 102 mile an hour cutters. And I'm like, no, like, I'm good. What are we doing in AAA here? Like, let's go. They had a big league staff. So it's a little bit different now. But all that said, like, those were the kind of adjustments that you have to make over those years. And I think Ronnie has already proven the physical adjustment in double a was nothing it's going to be interesting to see how he handles some of the mental adjustment in triple a but if he kills it this year in syracuse 
I look to him as being an impact bat this year. Like I, I think he could come up and do some damage for this team. And and I'm not and I'm not disagreeing that Ronnie has the talent and what he's done at his age. I, I think that might have gone misconstrued there. Me personally, I've just always favored Beatty. I think you look at Beatty, he's the top third base prospect in baseball aside from what they got over there in Baltimore. I think he doesn't only just have the highest the best four. I do think he has the highest ceiling. I, I really do think he even at his peak is going to be more than what you guys think with Mauricio. And that's not to argue. That's just my personal opinion from what I've seen with Beatty. I, I think defensively is where you have a better argument just because at short, he does look smooth. Beatty doesn't look smooth at third and he's, he's looking in spurts today, like in a small sample size, looked perfectly fine with the normal routine plays, especially charging in on the ball. And he looks tossing so awkward first. over there. It, it's, it's not awkward in the way like, um, like what I've seen with Vientos or even like JD, for example. But there is an awkwardness. Like he's not, he's, he's definitely like my not. My height, too. Isn't Beatty like really tall? Isn't he is he like tall. Three, six, he's, four? Like he's at least basemen that are like six, three, six, four. I don't really like it at that position. I, I don't know. Rick, what do, what do you think? You're, you're an experienced third baseman yourself. Scott Rowland was like six, five. Dude is was pretty he that good. Big? Yeah, he's he's a monster. He was huge. I, I, I think, know Machado, I think, Machado's. Is, is it Machado pretty big? Yeah, Machado's Machado, big, I mean, dude. I mean, Correa like, I think like David Wright, Ryan Zimmerman, like tall. those guys were like six feet. Six I get what you're tall. saying yeah. though. A lot of third basemen are usually you see them around like six, six one, six. It's two. that first step as a third baseman. Like you just mm-hmm. have to have a good first step. And long guys don't always have that body control with that good first step. Obviously, Machado was a shortstop. A little bit different animal. Right. Um, Roland was just phenomenal. Um, but like, to your point, Eric Chavez, six foot, like six foot one, like, but yeah, super athlete for great. Right. Might step. be five eleven if we're um, being honest. Right. Was, yeah. He's, uh, yeah. Five eleven, six foot somewhere in there. I'll give him six foot. Like, I don't want to stay. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, and someone's commented this in the chat and I agree. I think pure athleticism, Ronnie, you could give him the oh, favoritism yeah. there. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to argue that. I just think pure bats of ball skills. And even if Beatty becomes a corner outfielder, if that is where he's best for the remainder of his career, I, I just think the bat is going to be so good. I, I might be juicing him up. Like, I don't know. Like I, I was a little taken back to hear from you guys that you would prefer Beatty, like kind of without a doubt and a trade over Mauricio. But I just, I find that a little baffling, but I like well, the fact what's that fun. We have what's fun for this team is that we can actually have that conversation now yes. about potentially training guy. Yep. And it's also fun because everyone was so angry last year that they didn't trade one of these prospects. And I get, I do, I get it. Like I, I understand that said where they find themselves this year with guys who look this good early and potentially could it be impact players they might not need to make a single deadline deal because they might have the pieces they need in house. Like I really they have a guy who can play short. They have a guy who they have two guys who could potentially get moved to the outfield. They have a catcher slash first baseman flash slash DH, whatever he is, who could uh, potentially hit 50 at one, one day in the big leagues. Like (laughs) they've got um, Vientos, like looks like a, a monster. Like this guy could be a DH if he can, you know, get a little better at third base, could be a third bit. Like they have so many options. And to me, that's such a good thing that it negates the fact that, oh yeah, they didn't go out and do it last year. Well, you know what? They're in such a good spot this year. I don't think people understand. Like I was, I was doing a a good dive on, on the Braves the other day on MLB tonight, um, just about kind of their prospects and where they're at, not prospects as in their players, prospects for the season. 
and um, they have depth. Like it's the very good team. They're starting, you know, they're starting lineup. They're starting rotation. The bullpen's really good. Like they, they're obviously a very good team. We all know that. But the when I look at the Mets and the depth that they put together on the position player side, the um, in the starters and in the bullpen, like with some of these guys who have options, the Mets are very well set up organizationally this year for maneuvering throughout the course of the season to handle injuries, to handle underperformance, to handle anything that comes at them. They still don't have like those power bats necessarily right now in their starting lineup, but that set outside of Pete, of course, and you know, Lindor at times outside of that though, like this team is, is very well positioned because they might find that power. Like I said, within the minor leagues and it's, 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 they're in a great, great spot. The depth is just oozing for this yep. team right now. That that was what I was most excited about heading into the year, not only from the rotation and for those that are listening and don't know, uh, we will be seeing the debuts of we just saw Quintana, not great, but we will be seeing Verlander this Saturday and Senga this Sunday. So if you want to make sure you're going to chime in to one specific spring game, I highly suggest you watch at least one of those. Mine especially has to be Senga because, again, we've never seen this guy face, you know, batters here in the MLB. So that's always going to be fun. But He's been making um, his teammates look stupid so far. He's Marte look bad today. <laughs> and he's, t- he's touching 98 on the gun already. Like within his first week there, he was already touching 95, 96. When- at 98 miles what? or kilometers? Are they, are they still measuring him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He he was. Forty, I think you could hit ninety-eight kilometers. Yes, I would hope. Jesus, <laughs> the mound. Um, he was struggling with initially when he came over, but it seems like he's feeling a little bit better there. Again, the baseballs are adjustment because MLB baseballs are quite a different feel than what they have in the MPB. But just very excited. No, they actually attack on their ball over there. They're smart. Uh, see, it's almost like having a universal substance. That isn't going to give you ridiculous break in RPMs isn't a bad thing. I don't know. Call me crazy. All right, um, Wardy, serious question. How hard yeah. do you throw a baseball? I, I, threw like, get... I threw like 80 snowballs today, so I'm ready. Like, my <laughs> arm's good. Oh, right. You guys got snow up there, didn't you? Yeah, overnight? we did. Yeah. yeah how, much, how much snow did you get, Rick? Just like probably two, three inches. I don't even know. Not okay. much, but enough yeah. for the kids to go outside and play a little bit. They loved it, man. This is the first snow day they had. Like, I mean, they didn't even have off of school. They had a two-hour delay. But, like, yep. they got to go out a little bit um, early in the morning. And then again, tonight we went out for a little bit. And it was it was fun. Just finally got out in the snow. So, to answer anyway, your... how hard can you throw, Wardy? Don't, don't avoid the I, question. I, I honestly <laughs> – I did a throwing contest with a – Eric Sim, if you guys know who he is mm-hmm. on uh, YouTube, love him, the uh, former minor leaguer um, last year. And I think I topped out like 60. So not not a whole lot going on there. Ooh, I don't but... know if you could throw 98. So 61 miles per hour would be 98 kilometers. <laughs> so that, that might be where you're maxing, Wardy. That, that might be where I'm at, and that's okay. I'm not complaining. <laughs> Wardy, we're going to have to work on the, uh, the core strength and some – let me put it this way. Mobility. There's a reason why I Gotta stopped have you doing playing Russian baseball. With me, man. Get that there, core. There's a reason why yeah. I stopped playing baseball like the age of six, seven, you know? Dude, you could have been so good in Little League, though, man. No one would have hit your strikes on. It would have been like this No thin. one. No one. And again, and again I might I be always that. hated pitching to those freaking – they were always the fucking leadoff hitters. Oh, I know. Too, I, I, I was, pur- the, I was Whenever like I play for fun, I purposely crouch down a lot, too. 
Oh like, man, I'd always walk those kids. I hated those guys. Yeah, I would have hated you back then, Ward. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't think much would have changed now if we did it. Four and all you walk. had to do was learn to foul off some balls, and then you got like no one's got a shot because yeah. eventually they're throwing four balls. Although in little league, the strike zone is gigantic. Nah, but I, I would have been throwing it like at, at your like chin level, Ward. Yeah. Oh man, I, those little guys hitting lead off. I was like, just just put them on, just like intentional walk without even, just let them oh. get on and let me throw to the next kid. If I, if I if I can if I actually played like stayed through it because I ended up not because I had to sit down with my dad and when we were younger he's like you're you're not good like we should play a different sport and I agree. <laughs> I, I was I was I was scared of the baseball. I, I I like I was that kind of kid. So then I transitioned to soccer and then I played travel. I was very good at soccer growing up. I was a speedster. So that's the thing. If I would have excelled at anything with baseball, I would have been, you know, that that pinch running king. I would have been the Terrence Gores out there. That is where I envision myself is exactly in that role. And that's Terrence it. Gore. I mean, now you're comparing yourself. What are you saying? Like you're like the freeze over down in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I'm I could be Terrence Gore, a three time World Series champion by doing absolutely nothing. This is what I'm saying. So Wild. <laughs> she compared uh, himself to one of the fastest people I've ever seen. I know that's. <laughs> I, I was you you guys should have I, I I'm not as fast as what I once was, but when I was actually like active and playing that I, I ain't as good as I once was. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One last thing I want to get into and then we'll wrap things up. Relievers. I told you guys how much I'm looking forward to watching relievers throughout spring. And there's two so far that I've seen that I really like in either one or two outings they've had. Zach Green is number one, the rule five pick. He's looking very sharp. And two is John Curtis, who the Mets signed last offseason, you know, and then he had Tommy John was out all last year. Very, very good stuff. Like just look comfortable right away. I mean, not there was nothing getting in this guy's way from getting a quick three out. So hopefully we see more of that. Then you have, you know, the Brigham's have looked solid. Um, one guy who did not look good, however, like actually was terrible today, unfortunately, was TJ McFarland. So hopefully he gets, you know, a better outing going forward. The lefties just didn't do good today. Quintana and McFarland were the only Mets pitchers today that gave up runs. Uh, the other like five or six right hand relievers were all clean without a problem. But um, both yeah, veterans, they're... both guys who try to let you get yourself out in different ways. Both guys who wrecked okay. probably caught at one point or another. Uh, never caught Quintana. Never caught Quintana. Did I face him? I don't. I don't know the answer to that. That I. I could have, but never. Never played with him. You can find that out, right? That's that's. Is that like Googleable? Probably. I don't know. Anthony Record. I want to say. I want to say. Baseball Reference has that, like, batter versus pitcher stuff. Hmm. By the way, I'm like. I'm. I know we're doing a podcast. I've had the Duke game on here. Oh, me too. I got. <laughs> It was 65-53, and now it's like it's a game. I mean, they're they're gonna hold it off. Yeah, they're gonna hold uh, off. Uh, I, NC I State missed just missed the three that would have really made it a game. I know. I Wait, know. by the way, Ward, you see that comment? ESPN? You see that comment about you and me racing? No. So, so yeah, someone put in the comments. I'd like to see uh, Wardy against Long Legs Joe. Oh, oh, I'm smoking you every day. No of the shot. Week. No every shot. day of the week. I'm killing you every day of the week, dude. I'm I'm just gonna interject one thing. What? Since we've already touched on it, Joe takes one stride. Doesn't matter. Every, you what? You think I haven't it dealt does with that matter. before? It does matter. No, it doesn't matter it doesn't when matter. you're fast. Okay. It does 40, matter. You it and matter. I in a forty-yard dash. You're you're acting like you're the first six-foot-five guy I've raced with. You're not. I'm six-foot-four. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. So maybe it's gonna be quite the difference maker. No. I'd smoke you. 
<laughs> I did see, you know what I saw the other day? Um, Jordan Walker, big prospect for the Cardinals. Very big prospect. Um, they were talking about his um, media guide, like stats. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, you know, how they always have your height and weight. There's not many guys that you ever played with, whether it was little league all the way up to the big leagues that you ever heard of where their numbers were less than what they actually are. Yes. I don't, I don't remember what his actually says, but I know like, he's it's like basically six, they were saying six. he's like six, six two fifty. Like yep. he's judge Stanton type size, but I guess the media guide has him smaller. I don't know if he grew later or what, I don't know, but it's, <laughs> it was just funny when I saw that. Cause in my head, I'm thinking I can count on like one hand, how many times that's happened. Like where a guy's bigger than it says he is in the media guide. Maybe wait, you know, I get that. Like some guys cut it down. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I always had six, five in the media guides. Yeah, like yeah. I was, I, I, uh, well, no, I was six two, and I am six two, so that's that was legit. But yeah, I had right. six five one ninety. In reality, six four. You like, were you were you were giving yourself a few pounds there. Gave, gave myself ten pounds. You did. Joe, gave myself Joe, an inch and ten pounds. Joe, all yeah. I know is that either when you're back in town or when we, when I go oh, to LA, we're racing. Here, oh, we're someone's we're, pulling a hammy. Yeah, it's happening. Nope. We're all gonna race. Honest, I'm gonna race you, okay. you clowns. Honestly, I'll probably dislocate my hip. I dislocated my hips three times, once from soccer and twice from uh fitness and competition. Right, so you're gonna say twice I, I'm like, I can't say that on the air. No, you can't say it on the air. <laughs> <laughs> oh babe, my hip. <laughs> right, How old are you? 22? Come on, Morty. <laughs> what <laughs> I'm pigeon toed. If you know what that means, <laughs> I'm oh, literally pigeon. No reason I'm going to smoke your ass. No, no, I'm not even. Jo- no, I, I'm pigeon toed. I have been in the past when I would run. So my feet, instead of like just being forward or just a little bit outward, they turn slightly in, and then if one step a little bit too much, like I'm bolting down the line. I was striker for the years I played soccer, and then one time I was going down the line, I just turned my foot a little too in and pop right out. <laughs> Yeah, not yeah, fun. You see this in the comments. Wardy's already making excuses. No, yep. no, I'm not. Truth. I'm not. Uh, thank I you, Ray. To you, Wardy. I, I want to see if I could, I could pinpoint that strike zone of you. No, I'm gonna just lay on the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> well, you did. I that, guess right? I'm the de facto catcher in this situation. I mean, of course you are. given the fact that you know, <laughs> kind of what you did. <laughs> uh, I pitched too. Played third base. Sorry about it. Big third baseman. Ian Desmond loves you as a pitcher. He does. I love him as a hitter. Good for him. Good with that. How tall How many is times did you pitch? Was that, your, five, was that your only time? That was my only time in the big leagues. What did you get clocked at? Time. I could probably go back and find that. Do you know? I don't. 80 something. I don't know. Oh, you were in the position players never hit the 80s when they pitch. I wasn't. I, if I threw the ball 50 miles an hour, it wasn't going to be in the zone. I can't do that. Like, I'm not that guy that can just be like, oh, look at me. Like, I can't do that. It doesn't work. If I don't throw the ball at least a little bit, like, I'm sure I probably hit some, like, low 70s and stuff. I don't know. But, like, if I don't at least throw it a little bit, not a strike. Yeah. Not a strike. I I get that. Can't just, like, paint Nephis over there. Nope. Yeah. I would have hit, like, I would have done the, um, was it, was it D Gordon that hit Travis Darno and he fell down? Oh. This year. Was it D Gordon? I think it, was I feel it? like it was D Gordon. I don't know. 
Who's D even I, with him right now? Is he? Uh, and his last some, someone last hit game? Travis with like a fifty mile an hour EFIS pitch, and he just you know crumbled to the ground. Ha ha, funny that like that. But that would have been me. Like I'd have hit somebody throwing that slow. It's not What's good. D Gordon's last name? Is it Strange Gordon? Yeah, D Strange Gordon. Yeah. Gotcha. Someone said Wardy against Vogie. All right, that's kind of that's an insult. Come Ooh, on, that's really that's not an insult. Vogie moves, man. Vogie Big dude moves. moves. But, well, Vogie he gets Ward, going. You have the first what do we, step. What do we, let me put it. The only reason why I had success in sports growing up, and I did have a decent, reasonable amount of success, was because of my speed. I mean, even as a striker, the only reason why I made my travel clubs is because I was fast. You hold know, on, hold on, hold that was on. The hold only on. reason. <laughs> Wreck, what are you doing with, with the tongue? You see that the tongue when you get that ball back from the catch? <laughs> I'm having fun out there, Joe. Like, you got, man, you I'm got that feeling ball back myself, and you man. were like, I'm Anthony Wrecker, a professional sex icon. You got that ball back from the catcher, and you were just like. Bro, I was feeling myself right there. Yeah, I was were, pitching geez. in a big league game, I think a few Joe. women like, were, too, when they saw that. Do you understand what I was doing? Like, you should have heard felt, Ricky he Bonus, like by the way. Ricky Bonus like. was in the bullpen telling me I was hitting mid-90s. Dude, God. he was like, dude, sense. you're pumping 95. Like you are, you're <laughs> pumping 96. Like first I was pitch like, 86. yeah, I am. Let's go. Like this is wild. Awesome. First pitch, 86. Fly out the center. Was it really? Can of corn. No, dude, not first pitch. I'm sorry. First out. It was an eight pitch AB. You're battling out there. Eight pitch AB. Gotta do what you gotta do. Gotta get those outs, baby. Out number two was 85. See? And that was just, you know. Throwing strikes. Let yeah. me get on one. Let me get on a little bit. 84. Nice. Oh, wow. EY. EY was playing left. Yeah. I loved him. Why wouldn't you? EYJ? He's a man. That guy had wheels. He's, um, is he still first base coach for the Nats? Junior? He I was thought last his dad year. was the first base coach. Or his my dad game? is the first base coach for the Braves. Yeah. That's what he, yeah, he was. I know he was with the Nats last year at first base. I don't know if he's still there though. That's why I asked. Carl says, I thought we were talking about relievers. We are. Anthony Recker was a reliever. Carl yeah. was the ninth <laughs> inning when he came Boom. in. <laughs> That's right. Bobby G says, before we get out of here, I know Thursday is garbage <laughs> night, but was Monday or Tuesday the other garbage night? Monday night is the night I take out the garbage. Tuesday night is the night I take out the recycling. Recycling. Thank you, Bobby. Oh. Although, you know what? I have because have I forgot to take out the garbage out last days. night. <laughs> Because I forgot to take the garbage out last night. Oh. I have garbage in one can, and then I have leaves and like yard yeah. stuff in the other can. So I don't even know where I'm going to put the recycling tonight, especially because it's just there's slush and crap that's, out there. That's too. bizarre to me. I didn't know that you have to have recycling out one day and trash the next. Normally, that's at the same time for me. Really? It's yeah. Localized depends on yeah. your. We do so where I live. We do. It's township does recycling or our, our uh -huh. city, town, whatever you want to call it. It is a township. Um, but we have to outsource the trash. So oh, that is okay. a separate company. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. We're just now we're getting into some really like yeah. heavy, hard hitting stuff here, guys. That's why it's this is like we've had two two beers at the bar. Like, all right, it's garbage night. I got to head home. <laughs> All right, Next final remarks before we wrap things up. Final comments? Anything? You done? I can't wait to smoke both of you in a race. Not happening. Not no happening. chance.
All right. Daddy long legs. You think, emphasis on daddy. You think you're faster than half of the big leagues? Because this guy right here was like 50% speed. <laughs> I do. <you> know? <laughs> I'll take that bet. <laughs> Rec, I will never say I'm stronger than you, but I am definitely faster than you. We'll find out. I'll be stronger than you when I have a kid and that dad strength kicks in. You know, it's a real thing. That's also Joe. true. I know I might have a kid out there. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're going to say, right? <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to do it for episode 49 of Believe in um, Queens. We'll, we will be back next week to dissect a couple more games for the team in Queens, even though they're in Port St. Lucie right now. Thank you all so much for watching and listening. Make sure to smash that like and subscribe on. Check out Joe Sorrell at the Sorrell Sports Talk podcast coming out weekly. Always having great guests on, doing great things there. Make sure to check out Anthony Recker on MLB Tonight when you're not watching him here. I will talk to you guys again real soon. Let's go Mets. Peace out, guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.